welcome back. I wonder how you felt when you read the title of this podcast, Two Views on Baptism. Were you intrigued? Were you horrified? (laughs) Were you thinking, what on earth is this all about? Is this a dangerous podcast to listen to? I wonder how you're feeling, because I'm sitting across from a credo Baptist named Matt Bounds, and he is eyeballing uh, an infant Baptist. And some of you gasp. I'm not eyeballing him at all, just so you know. (laughs) Some of you gasp, though, as you hear that, and you think, ah, I always knew there was something wrong with Dave. I never trusted that lad. Maybe you're thinking that, or perhaps on the opposite end of the scale, you're thinking, ah, I always liked Dave. I knew there was something something special, something different about him. Uh, That was just a wee fun intro to this podcast where we're going to talk about the two different views that Bible-believing Christians take on Mm. uh, the mode of baptism. So, Matt, why Mm. are we doing this? If someone's panicking and thinking (laughs) that this is going to be very divisive, what do you say to them? Yeah, well, you you said very nicely what we're doing, but it is worth thinking about why, isn't it? It, It's an important topic for Christians, Bible-believing Christians, to talk about generally. Um, Though evangelical Christians do disagree on the details, yeah. you know how baptism is done and who it's done for yeah. they all agree that baptism is a very important matter because it's commanded by jesus yeah. so it's it's really important to be clear on each other's biblical arguments um neither those who believe in believers only baptism nor those evangelicals who believe in infant baptism are playing fast and loose with scripture you know i, I really believe that they are there are good thought through biblical arguments made on both sides and that's important to say at the top um we you and i i believe are both looking to take god's word seriously on this matter so for all those reasons it's important to talk about the topic the other reason it's important for us particularly as a church to do this is that we are a dual practice church now i think most members will realize that they should do because it always comes up in membership interviews yeah, it's in the handbook as well yeah and it's relatively unusual still, I think, for evangelical churches to be dual practice, but that's what we are. Yeah. So we basically allow that members may have different views on this, yeah. uh, and we will therefore practice both infant baptism and believer's baptism when a person or a person's family, you know, their biblical convictions are clear. So we're dual practice, which is why it's important to yeah, talk, about talk this through. Yeah. So how exactly are we going to talk about this? Well, uh, we decided, didn't we, in consultation with the elders, that we, we wanted to put something out that explained the biblical arguments on both sides, but we wanted to do it in a conversational way. We didn't want it to be like a debate on a Sunday. Yes. You know, Dave does 20 minutes on infant baptism, Matt does 20 minutes on credo baptism. Yeah. Didn't want it to be adversarial at all. We wanted it conversational, so we thought podcast is a good way of doing it. Yes, and if we did that on a Sunday, you'd make me go first and I'd do 20 minutes, and then you'd come back with a 40-minute I'd definitely make you go first, yeah, so I could make notes and then come back. (laughs) I feel totally mugged off. I I suppose uh, even there, as you say, biblical arguments you might even say biblical views so that we don't get into yeah exactly a de- a debate one yeah because when, when we say an argument that we are going to be talking about arguments aren't we? but as in arguments as in reasoning not as in christians need to have a heated argument about this yes yes yeah um because that's that's what we just dis- we disagree on mm. this don't we yeah and in that spirit dave how do we re- make sure we respectfully disagree on this then how would you answer that Yes, uh, I suppose what I suppose this podcast shows, I suppose our friendship slash mm. serving together shows is that you can take the view, take the text of scripture seriously, and want to be faithful with what 
God is saying. So yeah. like that's that's possible to get along with someone else who Absolutely. takes a different <laughs> yeah. view from you, yeah. uh, and also respecting them for it. Uh, so it's part of respectfully disagreeing is not uh, caricaturing the other person's view. Yeah. So a caricature is whenever like one of those street artists, uh, you know, take one particular feature of yours. So for me, like my uh, caterpillar, big bushy eyebrows, make making the picture would have me a massive bushy eyebrows, you know, massive head, all those sorts of things. So not caricaturing, you know, the view that the person has. So yeah. for me to caricature you is to say, oh, well, Matt, you just don't care about the covenants. You don't care about children or babies because that's that's not true at all. That's a black and white statement. That's that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, I, so an example of when someone didn't respectfully disagree with me uh, whenever I first moved to England and uh, he asked me, oh, when did you get baptized? And I said, oh, it was, you know, whatever, three weeks after I was born, whatever. And he was like, what did you get baptized? Like, oh, I got baptized as a baby. I went, oh, sorry. So stupid of me. I thought you were a Christian. Oh, and man. you're kind yeah. of like, oh. And I laughed initially. I was like, no, like, you're not a Christian. And he, sure, wasn't jo- he wasn't he joking. He was not joking. Because he, he, the, the heavy-handed joke is yeah, bad yeah. enough. <laughs> yes, and I think that's often what mm. people in my position get. They get like, you're not a Christian. You're dumb. You, Why yeah. don't you do what the Bible tells you? And yeah. I, I just don't think, Yeah. as in, if you're trying to persuade a non-Christian of becoming a Christian, you wouldn't say, well, you're just clearly thick, because that's not winsome, is it? So <laughs> why why are we not yeah, exactly. kind and gracious to other yeah. Christians? And I, and I, I totally agree about not caricaturing. I think that's a really important way to do to do this well. Yeah. Because I, I think, speaking as a credo-baptist, someone who believes in believers-only baptism, one yeah. caricature of the infant baptism view you know, uh, often get, I've heard it framed in a question where you get asked, well, why don't you do, why don't you just do what Jesus commanded? Yeah. <laughs> but the whole point is that Bible believing, Bible loving Peter Baptist believe exactly that. They believe that in, I'm right saying this, aren't I, Dave? In, yeah. in Old Testament, New Testament context, Jesus command encompasses both believers and their children. Yeah. Now, so, all right, I don't subscribe to that understanding, but I can see that it's a genuine thought through position that's every bit as evangelical as Bible loving as mine. Yeah. And it takes scripture in its context very seriously as the inspired authoritative sufficient. We've been doing this yeah. recently, word yeah. of God. Um, I think, I think, I don't know if you'd agree with this one. I think another character of infant baptism is that it's based more on tradition than scripture. Yeah. They'd say once Constantine came yeah, in, that's when yeah. it kicked off. Yeah. So anyway, and there's, there's a discussion to be had around that, but although tradition is part of the infant baptism argument, it's definitely not at its core. And we'd both agree that, church tradition traditional teaching what's not decisive is important and yes. to be heeded so anyway point is i completely agree about not caricaturing that's really important to to yes. avoid and another character like often is made of of your position mm. it's almost like a wee you know subtle dig whenever it's happening be like well this is a blessing given to children of believers yeah i don't know why you withhold a blessing yeah, from a yes, child i've like, heard that one before like okay i'm not sitting here thinking do you know what would be great to withhold a blessing like it's just <laughs> exactly yes yeah. that, that's the whole point if we really thought that was the case we wouldn't be withholding it yeah man that's um, like so yeah. uh ultimate well let's get to this question mm. um is is uh baptism a primary issue i'm just 
the reason why I looked away. From yeah, you. someone someone just texted me and said, "Can I ring you now?" I was like, "Please don't interrupt this podcast." <laughs> um, yeah, I know you're teaming me up nicely with the primary and secondary terminology there because you know it gets me going a bit. That one. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to that in a bit if that's okay. But for the moment, I just say that if by primary issue you mean a saving issue, then no baptism isn't a saving issue. It's not necessary to be baptized to be saved. Yeah, thief on the cross can tell you that. Yep. Um, nor is it a salvation issue or one that seriously undermines the gospel if you take one yeah, the different view. Yeah. So in that sense, baptism isn't the primary issue, but that, that doesn't mean, this is probably your next question, doesn't mean it's not an important issue. Yes. So is the mode <laughs> of baptism a secondary issue then? Yeah. Um, short answer is yes, but this is where I need to get on my hobby horse just for a sec, just to say something about that primary and secondary language. Let me, mode means the method. How you yes, do it. yes. Yeah, I should have clarified that. Um, but get on your hobby horse, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing about saying primary and secondary, and by that, what we mean is core to the gospel and everything else. Yeah. The problem with primary and secondary is secondary can sound like unimportant. Yes, not helpful. Yeah, because in reality, secondary issues can vary a lot in how important they are. So I'd say baptism is a more important issue than, say, the fine details of church government far more important issue than where the drums are allowed in worship <laughs> but none of them are actually core to the saving gospel yeah. so i find it more helpful to think about the layers of an onion the, the simple saving gospel that you have to believe to be saved you know jesus deity sacrificial death resurrection salvation by faith alone that's at the center and then you've got other issues radiating out that rain that have a range of importance um so to now come back to actually answering the question. Yeah. <laughs> I personally say that the need for baptism is not at the not right at the center of that onion, but it's close to it yeah. because it's a command of Jesus. Yeah, he says that it. Mm. Christians can't say baptism isn't important. We yeah. can't say that. The recipients of baptism, so who gets baptized, is a little bit further out, I'd say, in that you and I both think it's a very important matter. Yeah. But what's most vital is Jesus commands baptism. Yeah. And then a little bit further out when you talk about the mode of baptism which is where your question started you yeah. know is it plunging or is it sprinkling still important but i'd say a bit further out again um so that there's there's a range of importance when it comes to different doctrines and issues but christians shouldn't be saying oh it doesn't matter how we do it it's not a big deal it is important yeah. we can agree to disagree and do so graciously but this is important stuff which is why we're doing a podcast on it yes i <laughs> It's funny saying you go into lawyer mood and sort of <laughs> sorry, systematically work down. It happens down, sometimes. I'm sorry. Work down the argument. So uh, in light of this, could you briefly outline the credo-baptist view? I feel I feel like most people probably would know this, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I think, well, you say that, but I think actually, I may, this is probably me growing up too, I think what a lot of them would say is, well, it's because jesus commands about baptism are just really obvious that it's believers only yeah. and i think that's missing out on the biblical foundations for the argument yeah. so um i mean it's very hard to be short isn't it but i'll do my best here the, the yeah. bottom line for me is that whilst there's a, a real continuity between the old testament and the new testament between the new covenant that we're under and the previous covenants the new covenant is really quite radically different from the old covenant yeah. so whereas the old covenant encompassed all those born into israel and in the case of the males the male babies they were given the, the covenant sign of circumcision so 
you were old covenant member because you were born into israel but the old testament prophets saw a day of a new covenant yeah. in which god would write his laws on the hearts of the people um, that's jeremiah 31 isn't it? yeah so I, I think i quoted this when we were going through hebrews days are coming declares the lord i'll make a new covenant with the people of israel I'll put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's, it's in Hebrews 10. Yeah. Yeah. They will all, and here we go. They will all know me yeah. from the least to them to the greatest. So that, that's just very different to the old covenant, the new covenant that's promised. Yeah. Um, a new covenant, which all the covenant members would have a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. That's Ezekiel 36. Yeah. If I can put it another way, someone was an old covenant member by birth but is, is that's the way i put it but as a new covenant member by the new birth which expresses itself in faith so the, so then that, that's the background for me and then when i get to the new covenant commands about baptism although i see that it's a covenant sign in some ways like the old covenant signs that you and i would definitely agree on that wouldn't yeah. we it's also very different because it's applied to those who are part of the new covenant community by regeneration and faith now, whenever you read of baptism in Acts, uh, it's linked with the proclamation of the gospel and with faith in some way. Yeah. Um, now, you and I would disagree about exactly where to draw the lines when it comes to the household passages, which we'll come back to. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I'd say that that doesn't include children too young to believe. You'd say, yes, it does. Uh, but the reality is it's always linked with faith in some way. And I also think that Jesus' command in Matthew 28 about making disciples and baptizing them indicates that belief comes before baptism so i read the commands about baptism the description of baptism in the light of the radical newness of the new covenant after pentecost yeah. the the nature of the covenant and of the covenant people when compared to old covenant days went through a seismic shift and, and the creed of baptist view very much is based on that and reflects that i think yeah okay so uh that was as brief as I could make it. Let's see how brief you can make yours then, Dave. Um, can, <laughs> can you briefly outline yeah. the infant baptism viewpoint? Yeah, I would love to. I think, again, sort of similar to you. Uh, suppose, where do you even start? Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's probably really helpful to be clear on what it's not. So mm. I don't believe that baptizing a baby means that the child is saved. I don't yeah. think that makes him a Christian. Mm. It's just, I know, I feel like it's really obvious with some people don't think that's obvious <laughs> i don't think it's what saves them yeah. uh it's not a magic spell or something you know protect us this childist and then just <laughs> splash them with water yeah uh i i believe that infant baptism is based on the continuity between the old and the new covenants yeah. i believe that it's it's a sign and it's a seal mm. so a sign is something that points uh, to something greater than itself uh and then a seal was a bit of wax, you know, melted onto a document and marked with a signet ring, showing that it was like the real thing. It wasn't forgery. Mm. So the seal, the sign, doesn't create a reality. Yeah. It, it testifies to the truth of what has already been done by someone else. So uh, should a person never attend school uh, but find a diploma or their sort of certificate, graduation certificate at a i don't know at a tip at a mm. sort of guard uh carpet seal mm. would that be the word yeah uh this doesn't mean that that person is a graduate a sealed document yeah. is not magic but it's a promise to a person who by grace alone through faith alone has what the 
document testifies. Right. Yeah. So, so, so for you, whereas I'd be saying it's declaring something that's already happened in this person's heart, you you're saying there's a promise aspect here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's because that's what covered the covenant signed to Abraham, mm. which is what we'll get to. Yeah. Is all about. Uh, so in due course, the child will we pray take hold of by faith the promises of the new covenant. So. Mm like how circumcision in the old covenant would the child would take hold of the promises made to Abraham to be a uh, people of God. Yeah. Uh, Great. Yeah. That that's helpful. So could you point us to maybe a few places in the Bible? Um, you know, I pointed to a few references. Where would you say in scripture you get this viewpoint from? Yeah. So um, in Genesis 15, God made a covenant with Abraham, which was then sealed with the sign of circumcision in Genesis 17. Uh, there's a, big important passages so abraham you know the the covenant with abraham was about offspring and land Mm. and god promised that he would be a god to abraham's children i think it's bb warfield put it this way god established god established his church in the days of abraham and then put um, and put children in it Mm. Uh, circumcision was not just a physical thing but it was full of spiritual meaning so uh, it all it was always meant to point to the circumcision of the heart that's in Romans 2 25 yeah. 29 mm. and it was ultimately a sign of justification so Romans 4 11 uh, received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised mm. so just to think this sign the seal was not just given to Isaac but also to Ishmael so it was a sign but it didn't automatically mean he had possession of what was signified yeah. so that's the sort of picking up the document at a, a carpet seal um so baptism of an infant doesn't make them a christian but it's a sign of belonging discipleship covenant obligations and allowed for a future faith that would take hold of what was symbolized mm. so i've yeah. said all that haven't i i haven't actually mentioned baptism <laughs> so I'm, I'm making a big emphasis here that covenant in the bible based on what we've seen with God with Abraham, it was always between God, Abraham, and his offspring. It Mm. was always to the offspring. And for both of us, that's the thing, isn't it? I think the way we understand the Old Testament and it's linked to the New plays a big part, doesn't it? Yeah. So in Acts 2, whenever Peter makes his sermon at Pentecost, he says to those who were listening, uh, Acts 2, 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all of whom the Lord our God will call. I think that being a good Jew, that's covenantal language, hmm. that, that the sign of baptism is for the children of believers. Uh, this is provocative, so you can give me grace here. Robert Latham <laughs> says that uh, Pentecost would have been the greatest day of excommunication ever if the Jews listening heard that the new covenant had come and yet it ex- excluded their children. Mm. And that's a probably a caricature, but it made me laugh reading it. So if children were suddenly outside of the covenant and were disallowed from receiving any sacramental sign, <laughs> I know you'd say the same thing, but surely there would be a thing saying, you know, no more no more baptism like don't uh-huh. it doesn't include children uh i think again think of hebrews we've talked about better 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 this is a better covenant hmm. it it doesn't feel better to then suddenly exclude the children to me that's 
that's my thinking. And also the Jeremiah 31 verses that you referenced, uh, I believe that's talking about the Mosaic covenant and not the Abrahamic covenant. So in those days, he talks about the law that I made with Moses, you know, the Sinai, the Sinaic covenant. Right. So that's hmm. just how, that's how I would view that. Hmm. Um, and then I think Paul talks about it in Colossians 2, hmm. 11 to 12. Uh, he says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Hmm. You raised him from the dead. And then he goes on to speak about circumcision a little bit more. Yeah. So I think Paul there talks about these two covenantal signs, circumcision and baptism. And lastly, perhaps an illustration might be helpful. So my viewpoint, I can see your brain is so warm, <laughs> warmed up and ready to destroy me. Um, I think a helpful illustration is uh, immigration. Whenever parents move to a new country, they don't leave their children behind. They take them with them. So hmm. I believe if a non-Christian from the community comes to faith, they should be baptized dunked as an adult yeah, yeah but i would i would say that if i mean that gets into an interesting conversation doesn't it about age but if mm. they would hold to this same yeah. view then their children should be baptized as well mm. um, and that, that's another interesting thing isn't it that that you know we would both agree on we would both agree on what um on that, that someone coming to faith for the first time who hasn't been baptized should be baptized yeah some it's another caricature that you don't believe in baptizing adults of course you do yeah um yeah it's it's about mm, yes. yeah it's interesting. i've got my cogs doing it. yeah yeah well i'm gonna give you a chance now mm. you've uh you've been loading your magnum um <laughs> how would you disagree with this reading well i think destroyed? what's really interesting and it, you know i obviously i'd seen an outline of your, your answer anyway but to, as i'm actually hearing you say i think what's coming across to me really strongly is the the importance of the covenant theme yeah. and also how I, how strong the in sort of internal logic of the argument is, because yeah. I, I would agree with vast majority of what you said about those old covenant signs, I suppose yeah. where the big difference comes in is in um, the assumptions about how similar the new covenant and the new covenant signs are. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's a lot I'd, I'd have to agree with there. So yes, circumcision and baptism covenant signs Yes, circumcision was full of spiritual meaning. Didn't mean someone was regenerate, as you said, but yeah. it pointed to the vital heart circumcision of regeneration. That was the experience of some in the Old Covenant. Um, and I would say then would be the experience of all who become part of the New Covenant community by faith. Yeah. Uh, and yes, very importantly, the gospel promises are for those who believe and for their children and for those who are far off. I suppose one of my pushbacks would be of course, not all those who were far off would come to believe and become part of the new covenant community. Yeah. So I'd say that's about the promises which are made to all people. And, um, you know, someone can hear promises and not save any benefit from them. I thought it was really interesting, uh, the point that Robert Lethem make about, you know, that massive excommunication. Um, really e intriguing. And he makes that point really well. Of course, in a very important sense, I suppose I'd say, maybe this is provocative, there was a massive excommunication yeah. and a massive disruptive change at Pentecost. So, for example, a lot of the Old Covenant Jews in Jerusalem who heard the gospel message refused to believe it yeah. and never became part of the New Covenant community. Yeah. 
even as the old covenant community was coming to an end because uh, the the old covenant is now obsolete so yeah. that brings us back to one of the pivot points doesn't it as i said i think um you can see the internal logic to both uh positions but it's where we differ i guess is how we understand the connections but also the discontinuities with the old yes. and new covenants and latham i think as latham makes a a funny point of uh you have five thousand people baptized. There's not a lot of water in mm. Jerusalem to you know, baptize that many people. So how could you do? And I was yeah, you're sort yeah. of reading it, and you're like, okay. <laughs> now, we're, now we're getting into like funny, funny territory where we're talking about like the logistics of the water supply in Jerusalem. <laughs> but this <laughs> this is where we the the different sides can get into these conversations without much scriptural data to go on because I think that's a good point actually. Yeah. But then you take Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. And he says, they stop when they get to water. Yeah. says, what stops you being baptized instead of baptizing him with something from the, the, the bottle in the... Yeah. So you can't really be clear, I suppose, from either of those passages yeah. on mode, can you? Which which gets a wee bit into the next question of how do we yeah. both, yeah. in some ways, make arguments from silence? Which, mm. I mean, someone probably thinks, no, there are no arguments from silence. My way is totally correct. But <laughs> surely we both do make assumptions, don't we? Yeah, I think... You, you do that with a lot of doctrines, don't you? That there, there are things that are very clear and stated directly, and there are other things that, because of your understanding of Scripture generally, yeah. you feel are relatively safe assumptions. So I think you know, I mentioned earlier that the household baptism accounts in Acts. Yeah. So time and time again in Acts, you read, for example, in Acts 16, there are a couple of these occasions, you read someone comes to faith, and then we're told, sometimes we're told they come to faith, sometimes we're told they and their household believe, but the point is they come to faith and then we're told their whole household is baptized. And what happens at that point is that creed Baptists like me tend to say, well, that doesn't mean that includes the little ones who didn't believe. Yeah. Um, someone like yourself, Dave, would say, yeah, but in context, I think that's quite obvious that it would include them. Yeah. And in both cases, to be honest, what we're both doing with the household accounts is we're, we're reading a bit into silence because of our other biblical convictions we because we think differently about whether little children yeah. who were too young to believe were part of the picture or not yeah. so none of those household accounts say little babies who hadn't yet believed the gospel received the covenant sign yeah <laughs> but neither do they say those who believed and only those who believed were baptized yeah. we both think certain things implied into the silences from a whole bible context do you think that's yeah a fair that's, good example of that's really silent arguments because you if I, maybe just to make it clear to someone, like if I said, the whole Bounds household, uh, the yeah, the household of the Bounds came to my house for dinner, mm. they wouldn't think, oh, that's Matt and Kath. They'd think Tom and Sophia. Yeah. So that's what we, that's why I think, that's what we mean whenever we hear household. That's, that's how I would mm. understand yeah. household. But uh, mm. I think, I mean, also we talked about this in another pod, uh, on scripture didn't we about tradition church history tells us that this it wasn't until the 16th century that people started questioning whether infants should be baptized but that again is sort of is an argument from silence based on all of our doctrine of scripture stuff yeah but, and i think i mean i'm not an expert on this i think where it gets fuzzier I, i'd agree I, my understanding is for centuries the majority of the people in the church hadn't really questioned it before then but it, it where it's a bit fuzzier is in the first century or two yeah. I've um, got a big fat book on early church baptism. Mm. It's just like oh, it's a <laughs> it's a slow, slow read. <laughs> um, 
So get a bit of holiday reading for you there, Dave. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so what are let's let's think about positives because I mean I feel like we have been positive. We've been outlining what we believe, but hmm. what are the some of the particular blessings of the Credo Baptist position? Um, well. I mean, one thing I've just thought of actually that wasn't in my notes, so you can jump back me on this one. Is that in, in a in a I'm sense, probably going to agree with you. <laughs> in a, in a sense, from a New Testament perspective, I think the Creed of Baptist, you can make the argument the Creed of Baptist position is simpler in that when when the new <laughs> when the New Testament says I'm not going to say that my position is simpler. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the New Testament says believe and be baptized. It's like well, there you go. It's believe and be baptized. So it's just for people who believe now. The obvious pushback, and you'd make a fair point, is it's not that simple because you've got to nuance it from the whole of Scripture. Yeah. Um, maybe that's something that makes it superficially appealing. So what, that's why Creed of Baptists have got to really think it through. Yeah. But that's one thing. Um, also, I think believers' baptism, when someone who believes the gospel and understands the gospel is being baptized, it makes a very obvious and immediate connection between the covenant sign and the faith that's necessary for the new covenant okay. membership to be in the kingdom and i'd equate those two things of course i know you wouldn't disagree with that because you believe that someone someone who comes to faith and hasn't previously been baptized should undergo baptism as a believer yeah but i i guess i'd say the fact that i believe all baptism is for those who believe maintains that that close and that vital link between the covenant sign and the necessity of faith to inherit all the new covenant blessings yeah Everyone being baptized confesses their faith as they obey Christ, yeah. uh, and they're baptized in the triune name. Also, I suppose one final thing to, to mention, a believer's baptism is a time of great joy for those Christians witnessing it and yeah. for the person being baptized. And that's that's not a decisive argument, but it's definitely, a, I think, a particular blessing of the position. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, someone, someone in the congregation, I remember, said to me, like it was almost they realized that they were a Christian when it, like it mm. reminded them mm. of their salvation. Whenever they saw people being baptized, they're like, Oh yeah, I, mm. I believe this stuff. Yeah. Like what those young people just did. Like I believe that mm. heart and soul. So yeah. like, it's a, it's definitely an incredible. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's true for the Peter Baptist position too, isn't it? That you, when you're seeing, uh, when you're seeing an infant being baptized, you're saying they're receiving the covenantal sign. It reminds you of the covenant blessings. Oh yeah. Um, um yeah, no, keep going. Sorry. And I was just, and I, I suppose the only the only difference is that for the when it's believers' baptism, it's the person actually going through it is experiencing that. Yeah. That reminder and that blessing too. Yes, because uh, it. What I was going to say there was like whenever I see see it, the sign and seal being administered, I remember, gosh, I you know in the same way at my baptism, I contributed absolutely nothing. Mm. It's the same way of my salvation. Like yeah. The Lord. Yeah did it all he was incredibly kind mm. uh i've heard yes a, a pedo baptism almost being like a commissioning service for the parents and the church like mm. it is now it's your duty mm. to help foster faith by praying for this child preaching to this child protecting this child mm. like yes sorry mm. so they're similar yeah similar blessings uh so what would you say uh are some of the dangers of your position is that <laughs> is that fair are there any dangers well i, I suppose we're both going to say if you if you're really pushed well we're, there aren't any dangers because we think that's the right view but <laughs> but i yeah. guess you could say that like the infant baptism position actually people who 
hold to this position can come a bit superior. That's that's a that's a, a yeah. danger on either side. Um, also, arguably, I suppose with the Creed of Baptist position, you can you can end up moving so far into the idea of the radical newness of the new covenant that you downplay too much the wonderful continuities of the old covenant and the new covenant. That, yeah. That's a danger. Yeah. Um, and you're in danger of losing that whole Bible richly covenantal feel. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is also similar, whichever position you take, there's also a danger of sticking with a creed of Baptist position just because it's what you were brought up with. Yes. Rather than through going back to scripture and saying, yes, actually, I really do believe that's a faithful interpretation of God's word. And that's yeah. why I'm sticking with that. Yeah. We'll come back to that with, mm. with my, my view. Um, well, I, yeah. Which, which leads me to ask you then. So what, what are the particular blessings then for you, Dave, of, of infant baptism? Huh. I, I think I already sort of played some of my hand early. Excited. <laughs> uh, so for the Christian parent who's convinced by scripture they believe they're being obedient to Christ's command to mm. baptize and teach their little little one. <laughs> I nearly said little thing. <laughs> their, their little one. Yeah, little thing works. Yeah. yeah, little little one. Everything that he has commanded. Uh, it's a sign of belonging to the covenant community of the church. I know we often say church family, but uh, yeah, covenant community mm. sounds a bit more, I don't know, gravi- has a bit more gravitas. Mm. Um I suppose as well, I would say one of the blessings is we're not viewing our little ones who aren't saved yet as little pagans. Mm. Uh, well, little pagans who aren't saved yet, I should I should be clear. Mm. Uh, but we're saying they, they belong in our midst. They're part of our church family, church covenant community. Mm. Uh, I think for me, it helps me understand why Paul, for example, whenever he gives instructions to the households of believers he doesn't leave out the children but includes them as fellow participants in the covenant community he says look you're part of this as well and Mm. as a covenant child who's been baptized you should live in this way Uh, i think as well it pushes against our age of individualism uh that's not to say just to be clear that doesn't mean credo baptism is individualistic Mm. uh, but it's saying look this is not just about you. You belong to your family, to your church family of faith, and they are committing to love, care, support, and teach you the Bible as long as you're there. Mm. Uh, as a bonus, yeah, I think I've already said it. It's a it's an outward sign of an inward reality. The child brings nothing to the table, just yeah. like we bring nothing to the table in saving ourselves. Uh, and I know this isn't what jesus was talking about when he says let the little children come to me but i feel that uh baptizing babies honor well is that fair i feel like that honors what jesus is saying i i i don't think we should hinder the children mm. um but i th- maybe that's an unfair uh thing to have said potentially but i, I feel as though that honors that command but i wouldn't that's probably my that's probably my most provocative thing and probably the most mm. unhelpful thing I've said. No, I, I think that's fair, actually, because it, it just occurred to me, again, as you were talking, that I think that's probably something that Creed Baptist should stress yeah. more clearly. So that how that children of Christian families are very much a part of the, the church family. Yeah. And in, in an extended sense, they're part of the covenant community. Yeah. I suppose that's one of the big differences between yeah. us, isn't it? Yeah. Is that I, I would say that the 
that when you look at those Old Testament prophecies about the new covenant and its radical new nature and the new yeah. heart and law being written on the heart, etc., that strictly speaking, children of a Christian family aren't part of the new covenant community yet. Because they they haven't come to faith and then they haven't been yeah. saved, they haven't been forgiven. But yeah. Creed of Baptist should probably do a better job of saying. But in, in a in a wider sense, of course, they're part of the covenant community. They're part of the church family. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is is it how you define the church is one of the differences? Stri yeah. How you strictly define the church is one of the differences between us, I guess, yeah. isn't it? And I think just I mean, people should probably hear this. Um, if an infant baptist, someone who's baptized as a baby has heard all this stuff that I've said and I've thought, actually, I don't, I don't believe this. Hmm. You should be baptized hmm. because that's, yeah. that's what the, that's what the Bible says. Like you yeah. should know what you believe and why you believe it. Uh, and if I, one day, if I'm convinced from scripture, hmm. Get me in the water. <laughs> well, uh, that reminds you. This is all unscripted now. This is getting dangerous because it's unscripted. But that reminds you of conversations I've had in the past. You know that I, um, in one-to-one -one conversation, I'm never going to twist Peter Baptist's arm to 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 become a creed of Baptist. But if they're talking about baptism, I'm going to say what my views are. Yeah. Um, and if someone were to say to me, "Well, do you know what? T to fit in with the 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 majority of people in the church, maybe." Um, I, I think maybe you've got a point. I want to be baptized as a believer now, even though I was baptized as an infant. I say, no, no, you need to be clear from scripture on what you believe. Yeah. And if from scripture you believe that your baptism as an infant was a ba was a baptism, yeah. you've got to stick with that. Don't yeah. get baptized. Yeah. So you've got to go with what you're convicted yeah. from scripture by. Yes. And I think I'm encouraged. I know we're going to get on the dangers of my view. I believe <laughs> there are dangers, but, um, I think if you were going, if you have heard all this and you're not convinced and you were baptized as a baby, I'd talk to your parents mm. about it and I'd ask them why they did it mm. uh, to respect them because they, yeah. hopefully they did it believing mm. what what they believed. And actually, if, uh, if perhaps they're traditional and just did it because they thought it was a nice thing to do, mm. it's a good opportunity for a, a gospel conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Which, yeah. uh, might be really awkward and difficult to have, but it might, mm -hmm. it might, might be interesting. Yeah. So. Anyway, and that you teed me up nicely, at least uh, the final scripted question for today anyway, Dave. Yeah. So um, dangers then of the infant baptism view. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, one of the great dangers is a false assurance. So people think that they are a Christian or saved because they were baptized as a baby. Yeah. Um, like I'm a rugby team said that at one point they're like, Oh, well I'm covered because I'm christened. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, uh, so insurance policy sort of thing. Yeah, you're just like, oh my goodness, we need a, we need to talk now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I, I think that's so strange because I've never been at a baptism of a baby in my life where it's been said by anyone, oh, this means they're a Christian now. Like that's just not what mm. they say. Maybe a Roman Catholic. Well, in, as interesting as yeah, I've I've heard that before, <laughs> but in what I would, what you could class as sort of liberal, not particularly Bible-believing, for example, Anglican churches. Fine. Whereas the, the view you're outlining is is a gospel-centered, covenant-rooted, biblical argument you're, you're seeking to make, isn't it, rather than Aye. just a traditional cultural thing? Aye, the Presbys wouldn't have it. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes, so again, just to be clear, baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't mm. save them. Uh, 
So, yeah. You wouldn't say that about an adult either. You'd say this is about obedience to Christ's command. Mm. So it's a misunderstanding there. Uh, I think, so that's the big danger, false assurance, of course. And maybe yeah. perhaps this will help anyone. One of the other dangers might be that it's just very complicated. <laughs> You've probably thought at the end of this podcast. Um, the other thing people probably need to hear is that we've had people from the community email us, get in contact with mm. us and say, oh, can we have our child christened? We want them to be baptized. And we we've responded you know, as a church we are dual practice uh but this is for people who are christians yeah. who are members of our church mm-hmm. who believe what i believe i suppose about baptism that's a sign of the seal not a magic spell mm-hmm. and we've met with them we've talked to them about this like one particular lady we we gave them a little document highlighting some of this stuff in quite simple language yeah. We've invited them to church to hope explored to find out more and they've not come back to us, which mm. hopefully that assures some of you that this is not, you know, I'm not walking around church on a Sunday with a super soaker being like, let me get them. Let me get any <laughs> little children that I get near to, yeah. to baptize them. Like this is an important, this is not something that's done lightly. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, big danger, false assurance, but mm. I think if you are convinced from the Bible that this that this is right for you and your family, it should be done. And yeah. if, like we allow it in our church. And if hmm. as soon as that's the thing, we're doing this so that in the future, if there are any families, hmm. that they don't have to go through people making comments that aren't that helpful. Yeah, and I guess just to just to sort of land this, I guess that's one of the things we're really hoping for from this, isn't it? That as a result of listening to this podcast, people won't suddenly be getting into loads of debates about infant oh, versus creed of baptism, but that they will, um, they'll be having conversations about it and gracious, charitable conversations and genuinely asking the other person, okay, can you explain to me a bit more your view from scripture? Yeah. And even if they don't come to agree with it, just respecting that, that more, yeah. I think that would be a really, a real sign of grace when in the bridge church or any church, yeah. for that to happen as a result of this yeah we're not like as in we don't want in the middle of life like life groups getting derailed mm. by people talking about this but like have a coffee like go yeah. and chat about it mm. uh yes and i suppose i've been i've been i was gonna say you've probably but you probably haven't <laughs> you've been in those situations where you're sitting amongst a group of christians and then three or four of them start slagging off like oh these dim-witted pedo-baptists like how thick are they and you're sitting there and you're like oh no one here knows and this yeah, is really, like yeah and i, I guess it, it doesn't it's never happened to me i guess in some places parts of the world in certain reformed circles it could be the other way couldn't yeah, it yeah yeah and you know that the creed of baptist you, you've just been too simplistic and too new testament there you're not yeah. thinking it through from the whole bible point of view and, and sometimes they got a point because we haven't thought it through but it's it's been charitable and gracious, isn't it? I mean, it's making me think of the danger of going off into a whole other podcast. You know, when we covered um, the six days of creation yeah. some time ago. Good you know, I think uh, I think I found that helpful. A lot of people found that helpful. And I think one of the good things that came out of that for some people was that they were like, oh, okay. So I've realized the person who argues that those are six long periods of time has really thought this through biblically. And, and someone else is thinking, Oh right, the, the person who thinks that was six literal days isn't just being naive and simplistic and not thinking it through. They've got, they've got, yeah, 
biblical reasons for thinking that i need to yeah grab a coffee and listen to what they're saying because they are convinced that scripture is god's word and they and this is how they understand it yes i suppose uh you're right we are landing the plane but <laughs> someone's probably thinking oh good grief this is all so complicated like can't i just have my nice easy believe and be baptized why don't they think so much <laughs> about this i mean the lord gave us a, a brain for a reason yeah um, amen. it's some of the some of the stuff we thought about with the author the whole doctrine of scripture haven't we like yeah it glorifies god to care about mm. what he said yeah 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 um so well i don't know how long that was but um thanks dave that was a mammoth one that's 40 45 minutes we'll try um, and top that sometime soon